0: For Tuesday, May 18th, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, public health agencies ask themselves lots of different questions as they prepare recommendations on how to stay safe during the
1: pandemic. Will the public understand this guidance? Will they see the benefits of following this guidance? Will they understand why we're recommending that they do this?
0: Glenn Nowak, former director of communications at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, joins me to discuss what the guidance process looks like. That's next.
1: You love free. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org.
0: Last week, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear masks in most settings. Making major changes to public health guidance generally comes after a long process, says Glenn Nowak, who used to head the CDC's communication division. He's with me now for more. Glenn, thanks for talking with me.
1: Thanks for the invitation.
0: Last week, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, put out some pretty notable guidance about what fully vaccinated people should do with regards to masks and distancing. And I want to talk a little bit about that guidance in a moment. But just because you've worked behind the scenes at CDC, what kind of work goes on before the public actually hears about a new big recommendation from the agency?
1: There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to guidance. There's research that is being looked at. Most guidance has to have some basis in evidence. Research is happening all the time at a place like CDC. And what happens is different people come together, the people who are involved in the research, summarize it, make recommendations, Put forward, you know, what they think are the conclusions and the and what can be done as a result of that research. It probably goes through multiple different levels um, with different people of different backgrounds looking at it. The CDC is a pretty complex organization. There are branches, there are centers, there's an office of a director. So things percolate from the bottom up, and. As it goes through that progression, different people weigh in with different perspectives. So some people are looking at it from a science perspective. Some people are looking at it from a public health perspective. Others are weighing in from a communications perspective. So a lot of things can shape um, a guidance document and when to release such a guidance document. How long does that process
0: usually take? Are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? What's kind of the timeline?
1: It can vary widely, the timelines. With a pandemic, you're constantly looking at data, you're constantly looking at new information. And that new information is constantly being reviewed in terms of, is it enough to make a change in a policy or a recommendation? and undoubtedly there are going to be different perspectives. There are going to be some people who are going to look at the new information and say, it's a start, we need more. And then others are going to say, I think we have enough to be able to take action. And so those things will be going on behind the scenes as people will discuss different perspectives. People will then decide, you know, what does it mean? Do we have to have a a radical change in terms of our recommendation? Or is this new information, something that would result in a refinement of our our recommendation. So it can be really difficult because, as you can imagine, the more people who weigh in, the more perspectives you get, the harder it can be to reach consensus. And... When, in your
0: experience, the agency is putting together guidance, what are the big kind of questions that they are considering? Because it's one thing to look at the science and bring all the stakeholders together, but then once this guidance is kind of out there in the world, it's up to the general public to interpret it. So what are those kind of big questions that the CDC might look at when they're putting together a a major piece of guidance?
1: One of the biggest things that people are going to look at is how will this guidance help us when it comes to accomplishing our public health objectives? How will this guidance help us in terms of you know, stemming the transmission or spread of a disease? How will this guidance help doctors when it comes to diagnosing or treating COVID-19? So one of the first things is how will the guidance help us? Another thing is how will the guidance be understood? And if the guidance is directed at healthcare professionals, is there enough information for them to be able to use the guidance? Will it actually help them, if it's designed to help them diagnose COVID-19 or an infectious disease threat, will it actually help them do that? When it comes to public guidance, you have to look at, you know, will the public understand this guidance? Will they see the benefits of following this guidance? Will they understand why we're recommending that they do this? Another thing that comes into play is the words and the language that are used. Um, It's really important, particularly if the guidance is directed toward the broader public, that you have to look at the language and the words. Are they words that are understandable to people who aren't experts, who aren't scientists, who aren't doctors? Will they be able to make sense of this? And then some thought is given to... Will people comply? And and what can we do to encourage compliance? Because at the end of the day, CDC is not a uh, regulatory agency. They make recommendations. And when you make recommendations, you have to rely on people to accept those recommendations and comply with those recommendations. And so a lot of effort is looking at how persuasive are the arguments that we're making, the information we're providing. Is it going to be enough to persuade people to comply with the recommendation?
0: Was there anything in your time at the CDC that you worked on that you think was kind of similar to what the agency has been dealing with with
1: some of its guidance during the pandemic? Well, every single week at CDC, um, there are issues where you have to issue guidance. A lot of it is, you know, doesn't get as much publicity as the guidance that that, that is issued during a pandemic. I was at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in 2009. I was director of media relations at the time. We were issuing recommendations and guidance on a regular basis during that pandemic. And just to be clear, this was the
0: H1N1 pandemic in 2009.
1: yes. And I was also involved in a number of, in doing the communications or involved with the media releases of information related to foodborne disease outbreaks. And again, those are very difficult because oftentimes what you know is that people have gotten sick. You know that it probably is related to food because it's E. coli or salmonella. So they're organisms that are associated with being transmitted by food. But you don't know what food item specifically has caused it or where. And so you have to give recommendations. And it is really difficult because you have to have good information. If you say to people that we think that tomatoes are causing the foodborne outbreak, you know that people will stop eating tomatoes for a certain period of time, even though the vast majority of tomatoes are not a problem. So you have to be really careful. During 2009 H1N1, one of the things that we did point out at the very start was that our recommendations and our guidance were likely to change quickly and unpredictably. And that was the case because we were constantly going to be getting and gathering new information and learning from that new information. So we made an effort to frequently remind the media and the public that our recommendations could change unexpectedly and quickly as we learned more.
0: And you mentioned something there, which I think we saw a parallel to um, in the last year or so with the pandemic. Say if the CDC is talking about a foodborne illness, they can move markets and change consumer behavior if they say romaine lettuce, for example, has been linked to E. coli. I'm thinking about a situation very early on in 2020 when a high-ranking CDC official on a press call said, hey, we think the pandemic is going to be pretty serious. And then- the world markets really shifted. So that's a lot of pressure <laughs> for an agency to be really careful about how they communicate about things.
1: No, absolutely. It's, you know, it's one of those considerations, but it's not the only consideration you have to. You know, first and foremost, CDC is looking to see what they can do and what they can recommend that will help people protect themselves and their families from a disease threat or a health threat And so that's the primary purpose is the what advice, what recommendations can we give that will make a difference in terms of, you know, helping you reduce your risk, helping prevent harm, helping um, slow the spread of something like COVID-19. As someone who has been through this process of releasing major guidance,
0: what are the game day jitters like? You know, if there's weeks and weeks and potentially months of work that goes into making these recommendations, there's, you know, a moment in time when they're
1: made public. How does that moment feel? (laughs) It can be quite stressful. I mean, you think you know how things will play out. But once you release information, obviously, there are so many perspectives on public health guidance and advice. And people have so many sources of information. And there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of disinformation in the environment these days, far more than there was even 10 years ago. You hope that you are well prepared. And by well prepared, that you have a really strong basis for the recommendations. You believe you can well articulate that basis. You believe that you're ready to answer the questions that are likely to come at you from different groups, whether it's healthcare professionals or members of the public, as to why these recommendations are being put forward and why is it important that I comply with these recommendations. And you're going to get a lot of questions that you didn't necessarily think about, but you have to be able to come up very quickly with with good answers to those questions.
0: This is, Did You Wash Your Hands?, I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Glenn Nowak. He was formerly director of communications at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We're talking about the work that goes into major guidance changes put out by the agency. Having worked at the agency for so long and been involved in pretty public guidance changes, especially during kind of high uh, attention situations like the uh, H1N1 outbreak... What did you make of the CDC's announcement last week that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear masks or physically distance indoors or outdoors? Not necessarily about the efficacy of that message, uh, the public health value of that message, but just how it was
1: rolled out. Well, I think it was, the timing was a little bit surprising, although there was a lot of foreshadowing that there was gonna be a change in the policy. One of the things that I think has been going on for weeks has been the question about if the vaccines are so effective in terms of preventing people from getting serious illness, and it looks like there's good data that the vaccines are effective in preventing the spread of COVID-19 or the transmission of the virus, you know, why are there still so many restrictions on people who are vaccinated? So I think, you know, part of what was going on was was a look at, at what point are we going to be confident enough in these vaccines? Because there was a lot of pressure about why should people get vaccinated if they still have to wear masks if they still have to take all these other preventive measures and so I think from that perspective it made sense that there was going to be a point we were going to reach a point sooner or later where we were going to hear from the CDC that masks were no longer needed if you were vaccinated um and then trying to you know, refine that a little bit by saying that there, are the, here are the circumstances where we think, the situations where we think masks would still be helpful. And then also pointing out that states and communities and, and businesses and other places can still make their own decisions regarding whether they're going to require masks. Should an announcement like
0: this be surprising? My sense is that a lot of people were a little caught off guard by this announcement when previous kind of major changes from the CDC either had gotten out through leaks or were generally kind of known of well in advance of the uh, actual change being made public.
1: What's well, it's always hard. You know, one, one challenge public health has is you don't regularly schedule your announcements and, and, and you, you reach a point internally where you're ready and you're ready to make information known. So I think one of the things is we just never know what particular day. And so I think from that perspective, I, I think some people were surprised. At, I think they there was a sense that it was coming, but I think people thought that there might be you know, more forewarning. But again, the challenge is is that if you're ready to do something, It makes sense to when you reach the point where you believe that you're ready to then announce it versus spend some days telling people that you're going to announce something and giving people a warning. And I think they had reached the point where they were confident enough that they believed that they were ready to make this recommendation and make this change and you didn't need to spend time kind of foreshadowing it. For a kind of major change like this, how do we know
0: whether or not this kind of policy change has been successfully rolled out? I was on the press call where the CDC made this announcement and there were a number of questions. And I think even now there are still questions about what this means practically. So how can we gauge the success of a messaging effort like this? Is it Everyone has all their questions answered immediately, or is it that, you know, within the next week or so, we all kind of understand
1: practically what a guidance change like this means? You're asking a really good question. So One of the ways you can gauge the effectiveness of a rollout is what happens in the immediate aftermath. Are there lots of newspaper and media stories about the rollout? Or are there mostly news, news stories and media stories about what the new guidance is and why it's there? Ideally, you don't want to have a lot of stories that are questioning or focused on how well the rollout was done or how poorly the rollout was, but particularly how poorly the rollout was done. I mean, if there's a lot of stories about how well it was rolled out. That, that's good news. That's a sign that you did good. If there's a lot of stories out there about how poorly it was done, then it's a sign that you, you didn't do very well. What's going to happen after something is announced and rolled out is it's going to take off on its own. You're going to see a lot of questions, a lot of debate, a lot of things um, that are going to happen in the immediate aftermath. Ultimately, I think what you're going to see with this policy is you are going to see what's been happening over the course of the last week is that There are some venues, some states, some communities that because they have a relatively high incidence of COVID-19 are going to stick with many of their policies related to masks and social distancing. And other places in the United States where they currently don't have large numbers of cases are going to quickly move to do away with with masks in, in most settings. Communications
0: takes a lot of different forms, right? I can imagine, say, a company launching a new product and the way that that product launch is received by the press and the public doesn't have the same kind of impact as the rollout of a new piece of public health guidance from the CDC. It seems like what's riding on the success or failure of a rollout like this is people's fundamental
1: trust in this agency. Yes. And you know that if you're the CDC or you're any government agency, like the Food and Drug Administration, that when you do make a big announcement, you're going to get lots of attention. You're going to get lots of scrutiny. It's not a one moment, one day event. Typically, what happens is your announcement, your rollout is the start. And then over the um, right away in the hours afterwards, you're going to get lots of questions People always want to know the details and, and, and they want to know the basis for your recommendation or a change in a, in a recommendation. And they want to know, how do you know this is a good idea? And I think you're seeing, we have seen all that happen in the aftermath of the CDC announcement. We have seen this agency
0: get a lot of criticism, and it's really seemed to evolve um, over the last year and a half or so. You know, early on, the CDC was very frank. We had calls with high-ranking CDC officials before a lot of the nation was thinking about the pandemic really raising the alarm. Then once that kind of came to the attention of the Trump administration, the CDC really faded from the public view in a pretty major way. And now over the last few weeks we've seen some criticism of the cdc as being too conservative not rolling back restrictions quickly enough for people who have been fully vaccinated how have you kind of viewed this criticism that the agency really has received over the last year and a half just specifically when it comes to how it's been
1: communicating about the pandemic well i think it's important to realize that that if if you're a public health agency if you're the cdc you can't come up with guidance, recommendations, or communications that is going to be equally embraced by everyone. Your recommendations and guidance are going to be embraced by many, but there's going to be some who will not like it, and there's a for a number of reasons. It may be a difference in values. Some people um, don't value public health. Some people have a, a much more put a priority much more on what they view as, you know, freedom and liberty. Others um, look at recommendations and they say, well, this isn't going to do as much as you think to stem the number of new cases or prevent more cases, that you should take even stronger action. So I think one of the things that's important is that it is really hard to formulate recommendations that are going to fit every single circumstance and, and meet everybody's needs. And so what CDC is trying to do is come up with recommendations and policies that are going to be the best that they can be going into an environment where you know that there is going to be some disagreement in some places by some people because they're looking at the world and they're valuing things much differently. CDC looks at things primarily through a risk lens and and, and is providing recommendations and guidance that are designed to help people reduce their risk. But when it comes to the decisions that we make as individuals, that's not the only thing that we consider. We consider what is the benefit of doing a behavior despite the risk or given the risk, do I still want to do it? And then what the pandemic has taught us is it's not just a risk-benefit analysis that some people are doing. Some people are doing a risk-need assessment. They need to do something despite the risk. And so all those things are present. And no matter how much effort you put up front in terms of trying to formulate a, a really strong policy and really good communications, you still have to expect that when you put that policy out and no matter how much time and effort you have put into your communications, you are still going to probably find some people will disagree and strongly so.
0: Something that I've thought about as someone who has, you know, covered health in the CDC prior to the pandemic is just how this situation has really forced a lot of people to think about their health risks in ways that they haven't really been forced to before we now all have to think about the risks of, say, everyday activities in ways that we didn't have to before. And I wonder if that just kind of heightened awareness makes the CDC's job even harder, because like you said earlier, they're always issuing guidance and it really doesn't always rise to this level of attention.
1: Absolutely, we all sort of assume that every single day we're going to be healthy. We don't have to worry about a lot of the things that that could cause us harm. And so we're in a good space. I think the other thing that this pandemic has taught us, particularly if you go back to the very beginning, is I think we all assumed that if there was a pandemic or if there is an outbreak, a large outbreak of an infectious disease, that we would still be able to get the healthcare service that we typically get, that we could go see our doctor, we could, you know, hospitals would be able to treat us. And I think what this is also taught us is that there are limits to um, the capacity of, of our healthcare system. And things like pandemics can quickly reach those limits and put us in a really difficult space. And so one of the other parts, one of the other jobs of CDC is to come up with recommendations and guidance that will help make sure that we can manage the available healthcare services and capacity that we have.
0: The agency has gotten, this has really been, you know, it's Super Bowl. This really seems like it has been, at least in a lot of people's lifetimes, the most they're ever going to pay attention to the CDC. So what do you think kind of the long-term effects of how the agency has operated during this
1: pandemic are going to be? Well, I think one of the things that we're going to find and one of the things that's I think starting to happen is CDC and others in public health are going to be looking back at what are the lessons that that we've learned And, and what are the things that worked? What are the things that didn't work so well? And how can we change things going forward? It happened after 2009 H1N1 pandemic. There was a lot of assessments of, you know, what did we learn in all these different places from, you know, what did we learn when it comes to releasing policy to what did we learn about communications? And I think you're gonna see the same thing happen and it's already starting to happen. The National Academy of Medicine is, is, is hosting a meeting at the end of this month to kind of start looking at what are some of the lessons learned in various spaces. I'm certain CDC will be doing the same thing. So I think there'll be a big effort to how can we improve on the policy side, on the communication side, on how we work with partners and other organizations so that you know things will go better in the event of another pandemic.
0: Glenn Nowak teaches at the University of Georgia's Grady College of Journalism and was formerly Director of Communications at the CDC. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.